0: It makes me really sad when I talk to people about AI and they say, oh, gosh, that's so far over my head, Jessica. I wouldn't understand any of it. And I said, no, I was you. I didn't wake up knowing AI from the day I was born. It was all gibberish to me at one point. So if I can do it, anyone can do it, really.
1: I'm Sean Cheatham, Chief Commercial Officer at Hayes Technology, and this is our podcast called How Did You Get That Job? that explores the secrets behind career success in the tech industry. In this episode, we are joined by Jessica Chaplow, who is the head of e-commerce at Havas Media. You'll get to hear a firsthand account of her drive and determination to succeed. We will be asking her what it's like to be recognized as one of Media Week's 30 Under 30, and also to be nominated as a finalist in 2019 for the Women in IT's Young Leader Award. So Jessica, let's start by asking you, what were your first experiences of technology, and what inspired you to make it a career?
0: To be honest, like most people, my first experiences of technology were just as a consumer, really. I wouldn't say I was any more savvy with technology. I was actually less savvy in my family when it came to technology and maybe just an avid video gamer. It was something that I was just open-minded to. So when I went into my first entry-level role, for me, it wasn't even about the technology. It was more that I had experience in e-commerce, but also that I just was really open-minded to specializing very early on to go through different disciplines of the business and I was just really set on I don't want to rotate around areas that I may like or not like even though that is the great part of those types of schemes for me I was pretty focused on it it ended up being that in the interview they actually asked me at the two clients at the time were Tiffany and Activision and they said how would you handle such broad clients, you know, one in the luxury jewellery space being Tiffany and the other being Activision, who create the legendary Call of Duty games at the time that I was a big fan of. And I was like, well, obviously, attention to detail, understanding pixelation in a video game versus aesthetics of clarity cut of a diamond and of creative assets for jewellery. That eye for detail is incredibly important. They both just said, oh, that's a really interesting way of thinking about it. But I think it was more just the way that my brain worked seemed to lend itself to the world of technology, which is sometimes a little bit amorphous, you know, a lot of it technical, but most of it, you know, kind of requiring you to pull many different things together and connect the dots in ways I just really enjoyed (laughs) and still do.
1: It's almost like you're hardwired that way, right?
0: I think I am hardwired that way, but I also think I rewired myself to some degrees that way through taking a master's in AI, broadening from e-commerce to artificial intelligence. That was rewiring. There was a part where really you could just stop at e-commerce and pull yourself a technologist if you want to and still be successful at it. But it's more for me curiosity that pushes me to just want to know more things and that's why technology is just a perfect field for me within the advertising industry because it's constantly moving and you never get bored because you're always at the risk of getting left behind the pace of industry and technological change.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Now, how about giving our listeners an overview of your career to date?
0: Leading on from the entry-level role that I had, that was where I sat with WPP advertising agencies at the time and it was a time where we were launching E commerce as a department, for me, that begged a much bigger question of actually what does it mean to be a marketeer who also understands technology? So, for me, taking on that role encouraged me to think about the wider piece of like emerging technologies, essentially, which artificial intelligence is one of them. And I noticed a gap, to be honest. I'm still not sure how. It was just I noticed there was a massive dichotomy between people in industry and agency who were very set as marketeers, who were very commercially savvy, you know, can really weave an incredible story using data, using consumer insight for the power of an incredible marketing campaign. But when it comes to the technology side, the conversation runs a little bit dry about the actual mechanics of how different technologies work. And then I noticed that you've got the engineers who are incredibly tech savvy, know how everything works under the hood. But when it comes to maybe making it sound a little bit cool and selling that story in, they really struggle, even though I know that they try their best just because a lot of people in that field are introverted by nature. And I definitely probably count myself in that category. And as I'm talking about all the geeky things that I love, for me, that was the beginning of what I just call like the distinction between engineer versus the marketeer. And I just said to myself, I really want to sit at the nexus of these two worlds because it A, seems incredibly interesting to me, and B, just seems like, logical place to be to tech translate between these two mediums for the benefit of mainly my curiosity, but also the agency as well, which ended up being a good bet. After that, I then created my own role. It was a turning point for the agency that I worked in, but also my own career. I was able to progress after six months in my entry-level role into a manager role. And then 12 to 18 months after that promotion, I progressed again For me, I then decided that I didn't want to progress into it was either client leadership roles, so generalist roles, or you go into a very specialist role where you're only working in a data team or. A performance marketing team, a digital marketing team. So I said to them, I want to create my own role, which was emerging platforms director. That was where I basically said, I want to take all of the things I love and all of the questions that clients are asking us around what technology should we be using? How should we be using it? And actually focus it in this role where things are far broader than just e-commerce. I liked e-commerce. It was all I knew at the time, but I also recognized that that wasn't the be-all and end-all. You know, e-commerce and customer experience is just one way of facilitating digital transformation. And how that happens is the sum of so many different parts that span so many different technologies and innovations, etc. So then that was the emerging platforms role where I really got to grips with harnessing like my love of artificial intelligence and machine learning, working at a global level with clients across the whole agency, not just one client as well, After that, I moved into another sister agency within the group, which led me to take on head of digital transformation role, which for me, again, was the first role that I had actually stepped into that wasn't newly created, which I found interesting. When I think back on all of this, and I don't really think back on my whole career as a day, because I'm always looking forwards, the things that I really noticed at the time was knowing the difference between doing what people ask you to do and doing what you're capable of. Those two are very different, and I always like to do what I'm capable of. That's why I like to create new roles, essentially. That, for me, is the reason that I'm able to sit where I am now, and I love sitting where I am now in industry and in my own career. Yeah, I definitely think that's a little reflection on my career today.
1: (laughs) You actually talk about creating your own role. That's very entrepreneurial, right? Mm -hmm. And most entrepreneurs are doing their own thing, but you're doing it in a corporate environment. What were the challenges that you faced, you know, going to your leadership and saying, hey, this is what you want to do. This is what I want to do.
0: I was very fortunate that I was surrounded by people who were incredible at being coaches and cheerleaders for me and that meant that when I came to them with these sometimes crazy ideas or just passion to do things a little bit differently than previously we'd been used to as a legacy business or, you know, one of the oldest advertising agencies in my seat, it's a little bit trickier because when you have less years experience on your CV you're taught to wait your turn, really. I learned very early on, and I try as much as possible to pay it forward and to champion the fact that experience isn't an indicator of aptitude by any means for the role. It's a great thing to have and gives you that kind of learned wisdom over time. But it's not to say that you can't have the depth of experience in a very succinct career. It was about positioning it in a way that benefits the company as well as myself. I think that symbiosis between those two is kind of key to getting the buy-in from senior leadership because ultimately it's a business it's not my company it has to have value for both parties so I really was keen on demonstrating that value as well and I even went as far as I took the job descriptions from the generalist which was like a client director at the time and then I took a job spec from very specialized digital marketing roles like programmatic or search engine paid search directors and I basically amalgamated them and added my own areas in for artificial intelligence or like consultancy on top of those two and basically then ended up with this Frankenstein of a role which they signed off on (laughs) but that was kind of the work that went into it you can't really just turn up and no matter how proficient you are in a role how solid your track record's been you can never just turn up and say like you know I just got this thought that we should be doing this it has to be backed up by the right kind of evidence so that's where my kind of blend of like being a creative mind versus an analytical one definitely like comes in for me I I definitely had to tread more lightly because I was 18 months in just about almost two years into my career it was scary I had to toe the line between suggesting this role versus telling people who were far more experienced in industry far more senior in industry that this is the direction that I want to go in but we should also head in with this emerging platform's lead position and also stewardship for our clients but ultimately like you are really telling them so it's a blend and I think personality proficiency and kind of pragmatism for the direction you're heading in and how to sell that into senior teams is really key
1: yeah well you put yourself out there right so I mean you, you have to make yourself vulnerable to realize the things that you want it sometimes for sure
0: Completely. And I think I always, I I like to say as well, like, you know, to have such a trajectory that goes so steep or a learning curve that's really steep, you can't have that without a bit of altitude sickness because the climb's hefty, (laughs) but it pays off. But I mean, yeah, I say to people, I I get altitude sickness every now and then for sure.
1: (laughs) Sure. Artificial intelligence is uh, really fascinating. What motivated you to create this and uh, what have you achieved through it so far?
0: What motivated me to start it was just many emails that I got from clients, and I realized I was always getting these questions when people found out that I self-taught myself artificial intelligence and then had been formally trained in it via my master's, that they wanted to learn more from me. I'd get these emails even just outside of what we were talking about for a project saying like as an aside I just have this question or I've just seen this article can you give me more information on this and I was like yeah of course like I could chat about this all day and then all of a sudden I realized I was sending out the same kind of emails to people like with some kind of here's some links you should read up on here's how to get started so I just thought why don't I just put it in one place <laughs> and it was actually more thinking down the lines of like this could just be a glorified SharePoint I mean how boring was that and I just wanted to save myself some time For me, it was the name artificial is really that idea of through my experiences and learnings of going through it firsthand. The more technical things are, people assume the less human they become. And I know that it's the complete opposite that we delve into concepts and mechanics of how things work on the back end or tech infrastructure works, the more we need actually teamwork, the cultural change to actually enable that. And then it's just facilitated through those types of things. So for me, it was about how do I actually continue to spread the good word around that actual message. It makes me really sad when I talk to people about AI and they say, oh gosh, that's so far over my head, Jessica. I wouldn't understand any of it. And I said, no, I was you. I didn't wake up knowing AI from the day I was born. I read a few Wired articles. I read the MIT review a few too many times. And then I just decided to do a master's in it. It was all gibberish to me at one point. So if I can do it, anyone can do it, really. I really appreciate that journey from just being a complete outsider to such a specialized field and just kind of completely immersing yourself into it.
1: It's great stuff. I spent some time on there, you know, really. I mean, it it is Very, very helpful and uh, a lot of great content. So I really enjoyed it. In 2019, you were a finalist for Women in IT's Young Leaders of the Year Award. And in 2018, you were recognized as Media Week's 30 Under 30. What did it feel like to be nominated and and how has it helped your career?
0: Yeah, gosh, I was like mortified, which (laughs) sounds silly, mainly because I'm one of those people that likes to, I call it lead from the front, celebrate from the back these types of things for me I just thought no like I just like to fly under the radar do the good work and let success be a byproduct of that not bask in this like glory of awards etc and then I actually found that by being recognized for those types of things for someone like myself actually they're more important than ever mainly because when in my experience on the path I was on you kind of just sometimes I mean everyone gets it there's things like imposter syndrome all of those things flying around you know being an industry that as frequently I've spoken at conferences where I've been the only female speaker and then I'll, I tell people before I agree to speak if there's no other female speakers I won't speak. <laughs> Having been through that like I definitely sometimes wondered you know actually I've been on this fast track has it just been a fluke then to be recognized in that way where for 30 under 30 obviously there's only 30 people to get recognized that was for me a massive affirmation that I probably needed to help me not second-guess myself so much. I think when you go on a blazing trail in the first 18 months to three years of your career, in my case, I was so tunnel vision about just not even climbing to the next step in my career. It was just about doing a good job. (laughs) And by having my head down and just trying to make sure that I didn't F anything up, I actually realized I kept climbing and actually wondered, would I be any good in a different environment? It's kind of that nature versus nurture debate I actually had with myself after... 2 years in my career where I thought if I was to exist in another corporation would I be any good or is it just because I'm in the safety of these kind of walls that I found myself in and these people who have nurtured me and raised me up as much as I've stepped up and then I think for that it was a great sign and also a great way to know that you can benchmark yourself against other people in industry as well I think that for me was really helpful to know that you can be benchmarked that way and and then advice to anyone who wants to like go into those as well as I was nominated and then I actually had to submit a video, which again, mortifying was another word that came through because I don't like sitting in front of a camera. <laughs> so I actually got people to speak about me and across different areas of the industry, senior leaders. That was my video submission was me just saying here's all these people speaking about me. And that was really helpful to get me out of that. And then Women in IT, Young Leader of the Year, that was a really special one, actually. I really did like that one because it was not about advertising at all. It was actually going up against like, CTOs of Lloyd's like CTOs of like government roles it was a really nice kind of way to know that I was holding my own in a field when I speak about the engineer and the marketeer that was a really nice way for me to know that I'd pushed myself as much as possible between the 30 and the 30 for marketing and advertising and the technology one Having them alongside each other, which I didn't realize until this conversation, is actually really nice. It's definitely something that, for me, it should be a byproduct and not kind of the main motivator, because I know there are a lot of great ways that those types of awards can raise people's profiles. I think when you have less experience as well, to be in those forums is definitely a good thing. And, and I wouldn't ever discourage anyone from putting themselves into those. So they came at the right time to give me the confidence boost ultimately. <laughs>
1: So Jessica, this is a part where we focus a little more on your career. You are the head of e-commerce at Havas Media. What does that role entail?
0: It felt super full circle for me because when I first entered the industry, that was to build an e-commerce practice with the then head of e-commerce. So then when I came into this head of e-commerce role, I just feel like I definitely have come full circle to help build an e-com practice within one of the top six agencies like Havas from the driver's seat this time. So it really is about looking to build out the e-commerce proposition and product for Havas and essentially work across all of our clients, which is twice the work, twice the fun in terms of making sure that we can move our conversations above just paid media and advertising, especially after the pandemic and given the shifts that we're seeing in terms of how clients are spending their advertising budgets around What we can do with things like user experience, audits, entering onto platforms and marketplaces like Amazon as a retailer and a vendor, what that actually means for each of our clients from a UK perspective. So that essentially is what I've been brought in to do and to lead for Havas Market.
1: What are some of the key challenges you face in this role?
0: For me, the biggest challenge is ultimately creating something that hasn't been done before. Like the agency is never had this type of specialism and the way that we will roll this out and enter into also compete against other agencies because this is such a saturated space everyone wants to be an ecom because it's so exciting and build their businesses around them so for me the challenge is definitely around be comfortable with change the amorphous nature of a role like this and what I mean by that is that it doesn't really have as much structure as other roles because you're at the mercy of the changing landscape where you get taken via clients and their requests or via like the industry that may change when amazon place an increase in seller fees like what that means for our clients cetera. like it's it's very quickly moving so i definitely think that's a challenge
1: from a typical day i mean do you get to roll your sleeves up or are you really stuck at the hundred thousand foot view
0: the reason I took it was my previous role was more like a hundred thousand foot view. And this one is definitely a healthy mix of a hundred thousand foot view and just rolling your sleeves up. One minute you could be in the ivory tower, the next you're in the trenches. So for me, that's how I think about it. And. No day, I think, is that similar. There is definitely structure to it because I have a great team around me that supports me as well. I also find I like to keep making like pillars for it. So essentially, I make sure that I'm constantly moving across education, clients and the actual product and business that we're building within the agency. And as long as I'm checking something in one of those four domains, whatever that looks like, I know that we're good and that we're on the right path forward. But ultimately, one minute I can be talking to our chief strategy officer, the next I can be talking to our chief data analytics lead. So It massively varies in terms of the conversations I'm having, but that is the best part about it is because for me, it it really plays to the areas that I love. And I think I also push it to be that way as well, going back to the kind of ability to not just take meetings about retail, about media. I'm also looking at like building tools because that's what I love to do. So it's a pick and mix.
1: One of the big themes that we've found in this series, talking to the interviewees is the importance of mentorship. Have you had a mentor in your life or several maybe people who've made an impact? And
0: what did that mean to you? I actively asked for a mentor when I was starting out. I think an experienced voice and perspective, especially in the same company and field, is super important and kind of grounds your thinking. For me, it was a massive sanity check, if I'm being totally honest. I found it very challenging at the point I was at. And still sometimes I do because nobody wants to be the one talking to all of their friends about all of the problems they have most times because with all the best intentions, it's not a very relatable story and nobody wants to be that person complaining, especially when your career looks very good to everybody on the outside. There's so many nuances. Also, I find the best types of mentor-mentee relationships in my case is like where I've actually mentored my mentor. And I think that is like the best way to be because then it becomes less about mentor-mentee, but actually just about like coaching each other. You should be challenging your mentor as well. At least that's what I like to do. With. <laughs> I'm sure they might have different opinions on whether that's a good thing. I really think that's where the relationships are the best. When you get to a certain point, you should definitely mentor other people as well. I say that to my mentees. I love mentoring talent and I always try and make myself available to people and if chemistry wise if you hit it off then I think that's like where you it's mentor mentee relationship there have been times where I've wanted a mentor and then I've connected with them and I've realized we're actually not on the same wavelength as much as I thought we were so it's a mentor for vanity's sake and it wasn't the best value definitely not for me and I'm probably not for them either so it really is that balancing act just going into it and just seeing if you have a good sparring match between the two of you is basically a mentor mentee relationship in my eyes.
1: Right now let's look to the future. How do you think your role at Havis Media is going to change in the coming years?
0: E-com is one element of how we engage as customers with brands, but I actually think there's an element where it's more consultancy driven as well. We've seen that in the last like two, three years. And I think for the future of it, we're definitely going to see it continue on where actually we see more heads of e span areas outside of just e-commerce. I think there's a lot more around like data and product of e-commerce as well. And when I like to say product, I mean like the tools and tech that sit alongside what we do. I think that's an area where previously, like we get a lot of people who were really strong and retail e which is fantastic, but actually having strong retail knowledge, I think there's going to be a lot more diversification in terms of the types of people that fill head of e roles because... The demands of e-commerce are absolutely changing, especially post-pandemic as well, like the shift between online and offline retail and what that means. I even had a question the other day around what does concierge delivery look like for luxury brands and actually like how we t- shape that requires a level of understanding that I would say a head of e-com wouldn't necessarily have had in 2015. So it's definitely going to change, I'd say, to be more kind of innovation, retail innovation, consultancy driven.
1: Certainly you had a lot of success so far in e-commerce, Jessica. What advice would you give to someone wanting to succeed in the space?
0: It goes back to like what I was saying earlier is like to be successful in the head of e-com role, like hone skills wider than just e-commerce. You can definitely be an order filler for e-com roles, having worked as an e-com intern or a data and digital specialist, but I think broadening your skill set, actually head of e-commerce is required to wear many different hats. Don't just see it as a one hat kind of role. So I think to be able to understand how retail, content, commerce, all of those different facets of advertising and customer experience intersect is incredibly important. So I think it's about more just making sure that you're passionate about Yes, e-commerce, but also kind of the wider indirect things that also influence e-commerce, like payment systems, as like fulfillment so many different areas. And I think look at the e-commerce value chain and everyone knows it actually because we're customers. But actually when you think about being a customer, think about whether you'd be happy to work across all of those different areas and which ones you would think be the most proficient and expert in and which ones you're least expert in. And if you're comfortable getting more to grips with the areas you're least expert in and would enjoy it, then I would say like that's probably a good indicator as well because again, it shape shifts constantly. So the areas of strength that you have today may not be what the requirements are for tomorrow.
1: And finally, what are your long-term personal goals for your career?
0: Honestly, I think my goal is to continue to push forward in the way that I've just become accustomed to. So for me, my dream is to start my own business and to scale artificial intelligence more widely. It's gained traction just because of the luck that I've had, but also being as I refer to it an entrepreneur, obviously having a full-time job and then doing nonprofit platform as well is quite difficult. There'll be a time where I'd like to spend more energy on that more specifically. Then I have a few random other ones like publish an article in Wired because I've read it for so many years and I just can't put it down. In fact, I just got my copy in the post today and as soon as this is over, I will be reading it. But like my mantra is just like, do it a little bit better each day. As long as you can commit to that, you're in a good spot. As long as I get to a point where I still love it as much as I did when I first started that for me is the goal because it's easy to fall out of love with something when you get more seniority, more pressure on you, more responsibility, and to keep being stuck in the grind of it because you're in it and you feel like you have to sit in because change is difficult. But that for me is something that I want to make sure that I continue to do.
1: And that was Jessica Chaplow, head of e-commerce at Havis Media. Listening to Jessica talk about how she created her own job description, and even though at the time she was only 18 months into her career, she made a very bold move to reshape the role into something that she wanted to do, and then sold it to the company as if she was a seasoned professional. In my many years of experience working in recruitment, that is a very pioneering for someone to do that early in their career, which proves that you never get what you don't ask for and strive for in life. And lastly, I love their mantra, do it a little bit better each day. Very simple, but a great way to live. Join us next time where we'll be speaking to another inspirational leader from the world of technology. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Sean Cheatham, Chief Commercial Officer at Hayes Technology. And you've been listening to How Did You Get That Job? To find out more about Hayes Technology, visit our website at hayestechnology.com and hit follow at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.